this is Renegades Roundup. Your best source for recaps, info, and discussions about the Arlington Renegades of the XFL. And now, here are your hosts, Joe and Zach. It may not have been pretty, but with the San Antonio loss, this ball game really did not mean a whole lot to either side. And I think it kind of showed on the scoreboard. Either way, though, the Arlington Renegades are officially in the postseason. And that is what we get to talk about here on this episode of Renegades Roundup. Hey, everybody, Zach Arnold back to talk about the hometown team. And even though he's not in the hometown, he's a hometown boy, and he's back for another Renegades-themed discussion. Joe, I know we're 4-6. and six. I know that a lot of people are going to be of controversial opinions whether we deserve to be in the postseason or not, given how handily St. Louis beat us during the regular season, and yet they get to miss out. But how excited are you to see your team in the playoffs? I uh, I'm I'm pretty excited. I mean, you're right. It does taint it a little bit being four and six, and we'll talk about the the Battle Hawks and kind of the snafu there. But yeah, no, it feels good to sit first first year and you make the playoffs the first time. And you alluded last week you you'd rather see Houston again on the road in the playoffs. Like this game didn't matter this past week. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, there were times where it felt like both teams were kind of half-assing it. Mm. Pardon my French. But Luis Perez had a very mediocre outing by his standards. Silvers didn't even play for the Roughnecks. Uh, Borgie didn't even play for the Roughnecks. So there were a lot of people that either weren't putting in 100% effort because they knew that there weren't any stakes involved, or there were people that were just flat out not playing. And it really kind of sucks because this was the, the highest attended game at Choctaw Stadium all year. And they watched kind of what turned out to be a meaningless performance. And so that that was what really tainted it for me. I got paid either way. I had a heck of a time. <laughs> I had a heck of a time like working the game. I really enjoyed right. that. And then being a part of the WFAA daybreak thing the week before... Mm. They tacked on a couple of extra hours to Ooh. thank me for doing that. So this is going to be like a really nice paycheck for me. So I enjoyed this week. I enjoyed this game. But I'm worried that the product that was on the field this year, we went two and three at home. I don't know if attendance numbers are going to be better next year as a result of this. A lot of factors go into the next year. As far as ticket sales and stuff, you know, how, how do we do in the playoffs? You know, we're still in the playoffs. That's true. And, that is true. And, you know, what kind of offseason moves do they make? But um, as far as the game itself, yeah, it was disappointing because, and I knew, I had a feeling this was going to happen because, uh, you know, like you like we said, they uh, both teams, nothing to really play for. They're both in. They know where they're going to play. So they definitely, they definitely did not play 100%. And I wouldn't be surprised if there were more backups out there than regular starters. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, before we go too much of a deep dive into the Houston game, 
Let's just also look at the other end of the bracket. DC versus Seattle. Thanks to a level five tiebreaker. We've been mentioning the last two weeks that it could go into multiple levels depending on how things go in overall record, record versus the division. And there were some big time math major type numbers that had to go into figuring out whether St. Louis or Seattle was going to be in the North. Eventually it turned out to be Seattle that makes it, but do you feel like they deserved to go or are they just the beneficiaries of some mathematical equations? Because putting up 53 points, regardless of opponent, is pretty damn impressive. I feel like St. Louis was peaking at a really good time, and they don't get a chance to show it now. Yeah, I think, I mean, you got to go by the tiebreakers, but I think Seattle uh, didn't deserve it as much as St. Louis did. They were impressive all year, you know, outside of D.C. and Houston. It's, and so I would like to see what they do in the playoffs, what they would have done against D.C. And uh, we, we never will know now because uh, level five tiebreaker. That's incredible. It just it's it's so weird to look at how that was the factor in the north. And Arlington's fate was decided by a 53 yard missed field goal down in the Alamo Dome. Um we, we've got some ties to San Antonio. We've got some connections to the Brahmas themselves that, that we have uh, alluded to in episodes past. But I'm actually kind of relieved that San Antonio isn't the other representative. Because I feel like the games between Arlington and Houston, even with the outcome that happened this past week, I feel like Arlington and Houston is just a better product on the field. I think more people are going to want to watch that game than San Antonio Houston. I don't have any disrespect for the Brahmas, but I also don't feel like they were deserving of playing in the South championship more than we were. Right. And yeah, I think about the you know TV numbers and stuff, Houston and Dallas, that rivalry just as two cities, they, it's, it's, tough it's it's pretty intense sometimes and so it can be of course of course they're gonna want that you know in the uh in the playoffs because that generates numbers which generates revenue money makes the world go around (laughs) yeah it does yeah it does and I'm, i'm really curious to see how those numbers look when we get to semi-final formats and that sort of thing because that's a different animal you know, playoff level football, regardless of pro, semi-pro, whatever you want to call this, when you're in the postseason, there's just an expectation to kind of take it up a notch. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of adjustments uh, Arlington's able to make based on the film that they saw and uh, just what kind of things they need to work on in practice because there's definitely stuff that they need to work on this week to get ready to have even a shot at making it to the Alamo Dome. I will say, though, really quickly, I have heard a rumor, and I don't have, like, a lot of sources to back this up, but I've heard a rumor that XFL Championship 2.0 next year, they are making moves. People in the city of St. Louis, specifically, are making moves to try and have the championship played there next year. 
don't know if the league is going to be able to bite onto that, but I feel like there's people in the city of St. Louis that are going to make a pretty convincing proposal once the season's over. That'd be interesting. It's a, it's a great state. It's a great arena. Is it a, is it a state or is it an arena? Because it's... It's indoors. It's indoors. It's the dome. It's the dome. The dome. So it's climate controlled, just like the Alamo Dome is. Right. So I think they've got that going for it. It's got a few thousand less capacity, but I really don't expect the Alamo Dome to pack out for the XFL championship. There's a lot of people that are coming in from out of state and out of town to to come and watch it. The XFL community is definitely traveling pretty well, even if their team isn't playing in it. But I don't think they're going to sell all 70,000 seats. So I think it would be interesting to see St. Louis hosting it at some point, whether that's next year or two years from now or whatever, because it's such a football town. I'm pretty sure they led the league in attendance with like over 30,000 every game. So if that football town is able to latch onto a championship culture, I think they would have that house rocking even if St. Louis wasn't playing for the chip. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because St. I mean, think about it, the Rams. The Rams won a Super Bowl in St. Louis. So right. If they latched onto that team. I yeah, think about that. The Rams have a Super Bowl closer than the Cowboys. Yikes. Uh, anyways, <laughs> off topic. But uh, you know, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna they love their football in towns like that, like Lincoln, Lincoln, Nebraska. They'd come out if they played an XFL game at Memorial Stadium. Those towns that have big football cultures, but no football team. Those are the ones that succeed. So St. Louis definitely, definitely would make it a, a fun time. I'm really curious to see if and when expansion happens, where it could go, because I think I think Nebraska would be a good place. I think Louisville would be a decent spot, and I think San Diego should definitely be looked at because those are places that don't have an NFL presence, and those are cities like St. Louis that I think would rally around an XFL franchise. 100%. Yeah, when it comes to Nebraska, yeah, Omaha. I think Omaha would be better than Lincoln, but then again, where do you play in Omaha? So I don't know. That's a whole lot of logistics that I don't. I'm not get. I don't get paid to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Neither of us get paid to do it. We just do it because we love this team and we love the XFL. Let's take a look at Houston specifically. That's going to be a majority of this episode. It's not going to be you know take a look at this cylinder over here. Take a look at this cylinder over here. Our season is kind of centric around Houston right now. We, we played them for the last week of the regular season. We're in the playoffs. We're playing them in the playoffs. Got to go through them to make it to the championship game in San Antonio. So it's entirely possible that you know Arlington could still win it all with a 6-6 six and six record. The, the the odds are probably not in our favor. No. But I will say, like I said last week, it is very, very tough to beat a team three times in the same season. And it is very, very tough to beat the same team back-to-back weeks. So as far as that statistical probability goes, I feel like that favors us a little bit. And let's not forget that the only overtime game DC had all year was against us. Yeah. So 
if DC finds a way to make it to the championship, I feel very confident that going back and looking at those numbers and not having the Audi field crowd to deal with, I feel like if we can get past Houston, we could win it all. We could beat DC and win it all. Depends on which offense comes out that day because yeah. the one that came out against DC was pretty good. And that's why we were able to keep with them and go to overtime. The one that came out last week, again, you know, not the greatest. But just look at, I mean, I think they probably averaged 10 points a game. Arlington did? Yeah, 11, 12. They had to have because... Was- well, I actually took a look at this on our on our show notes. I'm trying to see. We scored a total oh, 14, of... 14. I was right. I, not over 15. I tell you, 15 is that number, dude. 14.6 points per game for, for the Renegades this year. Yep. Yep. And as far as scoring defense goes, we were top two, top three in the league for a while, and it has slipped all the way down to number four. But this is the number three scoring defense in the league in Houston against the number four scoring defense in the league in Arlington. They are separated by basically one point. points allowed per game for Houston, 19.4 allowed per game for Arlington. Um, I I personally like those odds. I I feel like if the defense isn't going halfway and the secondary is swarming to the ball, Silvers didn't even play. Right. But But I'm pretty sure he would be one of those players we could pick off fairly easily. Um, we got an interception against McDonald in this ball game. So I, I feel like we could, we could pick off silvers uh, as well. The trouble for me is red zone efficiency. Mm. We had two red zone trips in the first half that ended up in field goals. Right. Now, credit Rossellino. He kicked a 56-yarder that made it across the crossbar by like a yard. And that was really, really exciting to see. He kept us in it. But we can't rely on field goals when the other team is scoring touchdowns. Like, just mathematically, that's obviously impossible. And we had more plays than Houston. Our offense was out there longer. 59 plays for us to 50 for them and yet they still put up almost 100 more yards they put up 341 and we put up 245 how in the hell do you have nine more plays and almost a hundred fewer yards yeah the math ain't mathing i'm trying to think maybe Uh, yeah, how does that work? That's so confusing. I, oh my god! I gosh. really, I don't know, dude. They averaged six point eight yards per play. We had more first downs, eighteen to sixteen. We had thirteen passing first downs, which is probably more than we had with Sloter or Plitt. So I appreciate that from Luis Perez at least. But we gave up eight rushing first downs, and their third down efficiency was fifty percent. I think we went one for three on fourth down, which was another thing that hurt us. When you're missing two of your fourth down conversion attempts, it's it's hard to justify going for it on like fourth and one or fourth and goal from the one when your fourth down percentage isn't all that great either. So I think there's still a lot of things that are kind of going against us, things that have us 
against the wall. Um, but I appreciate the fact that, again, Perez was only sacked twice. We had games early in the season where Sloter and Plitt were getting sacked three, four, five, six times a game. And the last two games, Perez has only been sacked twice. So I think there are still some silver linings to this offense. But you're right. The math doesn't make sense to have more plays and almost 100 fewer yards. It's just that's baffling. Well, I know what needs to happen this week. The offense needs to come out on fire like they did against D.C., who allowed 24 points per game. So their defense, ugh, you know, not great there. But if, if the offense comes out and they're firing on all cylinders and they're scoring, like you said, touchdowns, if they can do that, then we definitely have a good chance to beat Houston. The previous time that we went to Houston, the final score was 23-14, to 14, and Lawan Winningham basically single-handedly kept us in that ballgame thanks to special teams. I can't help but wonder if field position and special teams could play a factor again this week. Marquette King's we, time to shine. We've got a great punter in Marquette King. We've got a great kicker in Russellino who went 3-for-3 three three last week. If we're able to play the field position game and our defense can force some punts and keep them out of the other half of the field, then we pin them deep. We get a couple of field goals here, a couple of touchdowns there. Um, I, you know, Honestly, part of this is going to depend on Letty Brown as well because the injury report says that he hasn't practiced for two days this week. And Stoops has been quoted saying that he's hoping to have him play on Sunday. Yeah. But if but if we don't have a ground game to balance Perez, then all they're going to do is drop back into coverage. We we've got we've got to be able to go vertical cuz like wide receiver bubble screens are not going to work. Vegas proved that a couple of weeks ago at Houston. They tried the bubble screens, they tried the dump offs, they tried the drag routes and their offense stagnated in the second half. And I'm pretty sure Houston got like a defensive touchdown off of one of those wide receiver bubble screens. So moving the ball laterally like that is not going to work. If the O-line is able to protect Perez, great. But I also kind of need to see this O-line creating holes for the running game this week too. It's now or never. It's the playoffs. Now it's... There's no more room for error. There's no more room to be mediocre. So you're right. That offensive line needs to step up and play the best game they've ever played this season in order to, like you said, open up that running game. Because, yeah, if they drop back into coverage, it's over. I don't know how Luis Perez can throw around that. Yeah, I mean, as as good of a gunslinger as he is, trying to pick a team apart like that is just not something that he is um, suited for. Unfortunately, looking back at the Week 2 game at TDCU Stadium, that was a Drew Plitt game. He threw two touchdowns and two picks. Uh, He was also the team's second-leading rusher at the time, two carries for 14 yards. Davion Smith had seven carries for 16 yards. So there's not a great history of our rushing attack doing much at Houston. I really think that could be one of the things that proves to be a deciding factor in this ball game because Plitt was sacked five times in week two. 
and he the the o-line only gave up two sacks to perez in this rematch against houston so that is encouraging but having that few rushing yards and having that lack of depth in the running game going into the playoffs that is something that we need to keep our eyes on because Perez had three carries for 20 yards last week, but it was kind of a nothing game. So I, I it's it's really tough to tell because I don't feel like either team opened their playbook that much. No, they didn't. I, I think they played it safe. They they played it really, really safe. They played it really conservative. They They didn't go vertical very much. And Houston just outrushed us. They had like 120 rush yards, and and we did not. We had 55 rush yards for the game. So it's really tough to tell because there wasn't a whole lot of either team's hand being shown in this past week's game so that they can all get ready for this one. And, And I guess that's partially the Brahma's fault because by losing to DC there were there were no implications for this game it was a meaningless game right and they kind of played it as such which is tough to talk about because I want to give props to players like Harrion who who made the most of their opportunity um uh six rushing yards and 47 receiving yards uh on seven targets for number 35 hardly seen any playing time it's great but we're probably not going to see him this week right we're going to see canella we're going to see vaughn's we're going to see arcanado we're going to see winningham winningham had three targets didn't have a catch in last week's game Eesh. he's gonna he's gonna need more than that vanderesh is gonna need more than two catches if we're gonna win this ball game that's just the bottom line no that i agree 100 percent. so do you have any predictions what, what's your prediction for this game uh, you know, dude, it's it's so tough because I really think the week two game and the week two score of twenty three to fourteen was a more accurate indicator of how tightly contested this game is. But what I just noticed from both games, Arlington was shut out in the second half in both of those games. Oh wow! All fourteen of Arlington's points came in the second quarter in the game at Houston. And in this game, we got those three field goals all in the first half and then did not score again in the second half. I think the biggest outcome, regardless of how many receptions a player has or how many rushing yards we have as a team or the performance of the offensive line, we've got to be consistent. We've got to be consistently productive on the scoreboard and that means second half points we did a great job of that against dc we scored 17 unanswered in the fourth quarter against dc we need to play with that type of urgency i agree that that, that's that's my big prediction that's my big calling out is second half productivity if we've got second half productivity we are in this game and setting ourselves up to win this game and go to San Antonio. So what score do you think it's going to be? Oh, man. So we had a 25-9 to final this week. We had a 23-14 to final mm-hmm. in week two. And looking at 
how we average 15 a game and give up 19 a game. I know we're capable of putting up 26. We put up 26 against DC. I know that's what we're capable of. I'm I'm going to go I'm going to go with a 23 to 20 Arlington win. I say it's close. I say we put up more than we usually do, but we kind of hold par for the course as far as how much we give up. We give up 19.4. I'm going to say we give up 20 here, but Russellino comes up big with a late game field goal to push us across the finish line 23-20. I like it. I'd love to see that happen. I actually have a closer prediction. I'm going to go 24-23 Arlington. 24-23. Yep. I'd actually be pretty impressed to see that be the final score because I don't know how many 24-23s or even 24-point performances we have seen this season in the XFL because of the two-point option, the three-point option. Uh, it's it's a pretty rare thing to have a conventional football score like that, but I would definitely love to see that happen. Joe, I know that this has kind of been a tumultuous season as far as our schedules are concerned, as far as being able to celebrate team wins and team losses. Right. Four and four and six, it's it's tough to celebrate that. But at the same time, it's been really, really fun getting to talk Renegades and talk XFL with you. And I'm I'm sincerely hoping that regardless of the win or the loss, you're willing to come back for at least one more week to break down the Renegades season and maybe even preview the championship game a little bit before we try to close out this podcast for the season. Oh, we're going to have three more podcasts, buddy, because we're going to have to pregame the the championship game next week, and then we're going to have to do one after the championship game and then a season recap. So we, we got some of the tank because I think they can go all the way. They just have to get through the first step here. We just gotta, we just gotta cross the big Houston bridge. But we seem to be of the mentality that they can do it. The question is, will they? They've put up 146 points on the season, and I may be mistaken, but that might be one of the lower ends of the spectrum as far as point production goes. And we've talked about those woes uh, at nauseum for this season. But I think if they're able to put 23 across, then we stand a pretty good chance. 146, believe it or not, is the lowest point output of any team in the league for the season. Really? 146 for the season is the lowest, followed by the Brahmas at 169 and the Vipers at 184. So a team with the lowest scoring offense in the league is making it to the playoffs and a team that finished plus 47 in the point differential is going to have to watch them on the TV. I know Battlehawk fans are going to be mad about that, but hopefully defense will win championships and that that's what we have been harping on all season is even if Arlington's offense isn't great, their defense is championship caliber. I really, really hope that that proves true this week. Yeah, no, I got gotcha. you. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I really think you had something going with the whole you can't beat a team twice, really. I think I think I really think Arlington's going to pull this out, and it'll be really – this is going to be cool, man. 
it's going to be a really fun game. And like you said, um, trying to, to compete with Houston and show who's the superior Metroplex is going to be another really important thing, the plan for bragging rights. And I personally love the fact that the championship game is literally running through the state of Texas. It's being played in the state of Texas. There's two Texas teams in the South playing for a spot in the championship game. Regardless of the outcome, the Lone Star State is playing in the XFL championship. And that's that's a pretty cool thing to say. Exactly. So I'm I'm happy about that, but I'll be even happier if it's the Renegades who are clad in their white unis. I'll bet I'll bet they go in the whites if they win this playoff game, they'll elect to wear the whites in the championship game because it's their lucky jersey or something like that. that I can see that too, honestly. The the superstition's very alive in uh, in the football community and so we'll uh, we'll just have to wait and see but be sure to tune into that game on saturday folks and then the sunday north division championship is sure to be a, a barn burner as well but we're not going to make any predictions on that because we're too renegades focused and honestly we're both a little too tired <laughs> work has been kicking our asses yes. and y'all are lucky that we've been able to pump out this episode probably one of the shortest ones that we have had all season but that's okay because we were talking pretty much extensively about Houston. Houston was our last opponent. Houston is our next opponent. And our season could be made or broken because of Houston. So uh, that's why you didn't hear any of the cylinders. We didn't feel like it was really necessary. It's playoff time. So let's focus on the playoffs and let's go win us a playoff game. Joe, where can the folks at home keep up with you uh, if you're even live tweeting during the championship game, I don't know, but uh, I see I, what I got I, going on. Yeah, uh, it's my mom's birthday party that weekend, so, so you will not be. It'll be on the TV, but I don't know if I'll be tweeting about it unless something really big happens. Because I'm I'm hosting. It's not just my mom's birthday. I'm hosting oh, the party. Very nice. So I wanted to give her something a little more practical. So I'm like, hey, how about you don't have to clean up for your own party? We'll clean up the house, and you just come over. So, yeah. What a, but it'll be, what a good it'll, be, son. it'll be It'll be on the screen, though. It'll be on the TV screen. It's still my house, and I can still control what's on the TV screen. <laughs> damn it. So uh, we'll, be, we'll be watching for sure, and be sure to keep up for uh, updates on uh, when we'll be publishing our next episode. It'll be up sometime next week in time to get ready for the championship game. But yeah, Joe, I'm sorry. I, I was Yeah, no, you're good. You're, I was going on at length. Where can the folks uh, find you? You can find me on Twitter at Joe Scanlon TV, all one word. That's T like Thomas and V like Victor. So Hey Victor. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> hey, great movie though. Uh <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I'll 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 probably live tweet if I'm able to for sure. I'll do my best. I will definitely do my best. It's the biggest game of the year, and we've got a chance at playing for the championship, so that's a really cool thing. But, yeah, go find me at Zach the Voice, Z-A-C-H the Voice, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I even uh, have been posting a little bit on TikTok recently. So, oh, nice. Um, go find me on all those platforms. We just made the big announcement not too long ago that Zach Arnold Productions, the group that I kind of started up to do um, Arlington High radio broadcasts, has signed an agreement with a local minor league soccer team called Gaios FC. So 
I get to do some minor league soccer play-by-play this summer, which is going to be really cool. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I mean, again, congrats. That's so cool. I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the next level holds, what the next season holds. I'm just hoping that Arlington's playoff run doesn't overlap with the first game of the year on May 20th. We'll have to wait and see. Ooh, that'd be bad. Well, if we do, we're in round three, which is a great thing. Oh, that's great. If uh, if we're not, then there's no conflict. But I'm really, really hoping that if we have to play a Saturday game, it'll be like in the afternoon, and then I just trot over to the soccer game that evening. But be sure to follow to find out more about that. So that's going to do it for this edition of Renegades Roundup. For Joe Scanlon TV, I am Zach the Voice, reminding you to go follow us at Renegades underscore pod on Twitter and find us at Renegades Roundup on Facebook. Hit that subscribe button for wherever you get your podcasts from, and we will see you next week to preview the inaugural XFL championship game. But until then, everyone, a reminder, raise raise some some hell. hell.